Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Culture. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new Winter Cults and Culture. And joining me today is Dan. Hi, Dan. Hello. How are you? How, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. I've uh, been reflecting on 10 years of memorable music and enjoying every second of it. Oh, lovely. Well, you did enjoy every second of it by living through it. Um, I have also been doing the same, and that's because today's subject is the albums of the 2010s. I think it's worth noting that we're not talking about, um, you know, I mean, tracks that we liked, that we thought were the best tracks, (laughs) if that makes sense, because there's a lot of great singles I would have liked, but we're talking about albums as in a body of work. And I think it's quite, you know, you can't just be like, but that was my favourite track and it was on this album and it's an amazing track and it makes up for all the rest of the filler. It's like, well, no, we're talking about the entirety of the album, how that stands up. Yeah, some people take that approach and uh, frankly, it's amateurish. Amateur hour. Yeah. But here you're getting a proper discussion of uh, albums as a consistent body of work. With a yes. nice ebb and flow and satisfying from uh, start to finish. Yes, quite. Um, so we're going to go through from, we picked our top 10, basically, and we're going to go through 10 to 1, I think, and we'll do, we'll do one each. And, yeah, just see, see where we end up and we'll just like chat about it for a little bit, why it made it onto the list, and, yeah, we're, you know, what, what we think. So, Dan, do you want to start? Yeah, I'll just add a caveat here that this is a really subjective list. Like, I haven't tried yeah. to pick what I think were the you know best albums on merit. And there's probably loads of albums that I'm aware of, actually, that I didn't get around to listening to, even though I had 10 years. Um, so this is really just, like, my favourite albums. Um, and really, even, like, I struggled just to pick 10, and then I ranked them kind of like... Probably the ones that I just listen to the most are the ones at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also only gone for one album per artist, because otherwise there were some that would have just, like, dominated the whole thing. Yeah. 
yeah, well, especially kind of fores- foreknowing, foreshadowing, whatever who you've picked. Um, yeah, I can understand why you've done that. I should say uh-huh. that I have got two albums on my list by the same artist for the sheer fact that I was like, I couldn't help it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I just, there's, for me, um, and again, I feel the same way that it's it's kind of like, yeah, my personal top 10, not necessarily the best, what is critically the best, but yeah. what I thought was the best albums of that decade. And uh, yeah, and what I'll do is, is we'll play a little bit, I think, as well, um, after we announce which one so that people can get a taste of what we're talking about. But yeah, yeah, so good. Cool, I'm looking forward to knowing what you've put because actually I haven't really got a strong impression of what you might have come up with. Mm. Well, get ready for some kind of above <laughs> mediocre <laughs> music. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> shall I kick off then? Yeah, do it. I've gone with King Buzzo and This Machine Kills Artists as my number 10. Um, so King Buzzo, Buzz Osborne, the leader of the Melvins, mm-hmm. um, releasing his first solo album in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a few years later, Dale Crover, the other, you know, the drummer, long-standing member of the Melvins, did a solo album. So both of them did these solo albums. And honestly, both of them, the best Melvins output of the decade, in my opinion. Right. Um, we should have a, one, let's have a little listen. Let's have a little listen. I'm just going to... Okay. There's something in here so that people can have a listen back home to this album. Let's hear my favourite track from the album, Drunken Baby. So what I really like about this album is that it kind of harkens back to really nice basic melvin's music like in the songwriting after quite a few years of this like collaboration with the guys from big business mm-hmm. um that hasn't really been to my taste um but it's great just hearing it all stripped back um just buzz and an acoustic guitar yeah but he doesn't perform it like a you know like an acoustic kind of album or like folk the songwriting supports you know it sounds bloody heavy um, but it's got this kind of like restraint about it. Um, and it feels like he's kind of gone back to being like a kind of troubadour. And around this time, he did a solo tour where it was him, just his guitar, playing these songs, uh, playing some old Melvin stuff as well, but also like talking in between songs a lot and telling stories and anecdotes. Mm. So it's like a whole kind of like thing for him. Um, but I think the album really. Uh, worked really well yeah i remember um i've listened to a bit of it and uh the the main stuff well, it was mainly really because as you said like when he did his tour um this is when i think we were talking about the melvins around this maybe you had even suggested this album i can't remember and i went through a little bit of a rabbit hole on um youtube just kind of uh watching some of the um live stuff and then yeah watching some of the buzz solo stuff and then all the stuff crops up about like Buzz dissing Dave Grohl or whatever and all this and just watching all that stuff um and found it really intriguing and interesting and uh yeah I guess I didn't really know I knew the bits and pieces about Buzz or some interviews and some of the stuff in the you know the Nirvana history books about him but 
I've not actually like sat and listened to him chat for like whatever, like 10 minutes on something or other. Um, if that he's makes sense. He's a funny guy. He's yeah, a dry it's a, guy. Yeah, very much so. It's just quite, he's quite an interesting character to listen to. Yeah. So, I mean, you could just sit down and watch like one of the live shows and probably go, um, you know, that that's a really good experience. But so I was surprised actually that, you know, the, the songs themselves, like there's 17 mm. tracks on this album actually really hold up really well you know without all the without all the banter and like i said they're just really they're really powerful for acoustic songs just singer songwriter Mm. there's something it kind of really highlights that there's something in his songwriting it's not just like you know all the melvin stuff it's not just the arrangement and the you know the the power behind the guitars and drums there's something inherent in the way he writes songs yeah 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 i haven't um giving it a proper listen um but yeah i have been intrigued by it so so number 10 for you number 10 for me and this was probably picking a number it sounds weird but picking a number 10 was what i struggled the most with Uh because there was a whole like slew of um albums i liked but I was, and I kept swapping ones in for like number 10 and then out and then putting another one up and out and putting another one in and out. And I was like, oh, like I, the rest of them, I was, I was kind of like, I'm okay with this. Like one to nine, I'm okay with. But this number 10, I was just like, God, there's just so many that just, you know, just kind of so close together for me, if that makes sense. It's hard because um, you're setting the parameter of like, this is it. This is what's in and this is what's out. Yeah. Like this hasn't made the cut, and it's like, well, I think it should. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I should give. A, I might give a few honourable mentions just at, at the end of uh, what I was kind of toying with. But um, okay. I'm quite happy with this number ten decision, which is washed out within and without, which was ah. released in 2011. Um, if, let's have a listen to it. Let's have a listen. So for people that, that don't know, um, well, you would have just listened to it now, but it's like a dream pop, nice, light um, sound, electronic kind of sound. And the, the reason why it kind of stuck with me for so long is that um, I when I, I was doing a lot of stuff around America or whatever, or just overseas, I should say, um, and this kind of kept following me everywhere. And it was just really nice to listen to when... I was like, you know, driving or like traveling here and there or just on a plane or like just walking, you know what I mean? And yeah. um, I always went back to it because it was like, it was non-intrusive. It was nice to listen to. And it really kind of gave me this um, like weird sense of um, like ethereal kind of like, cause I'm in like a new place. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm in unfamiliar territory and just having this thing, it makes it feel like a bit like a dream. Yeah. And so that's why every time I've listened to it since, it kind of takes you back to that. And it sounds really weird, like walking around, like, like walking around New York and all this, like really late at night and listening to this. 
and all that. Just it has all these. It's, so this album is kind of peppered mm. with these weird memories. And I think I can say this for a lot of this uh, for the, a lot of the picks here. Um, but that's why only for the other albums, which I was like, but this feels like you know this other album feels like it's a better album. It's got better songs on that. I enjoy it more. I'm like, yeah, but this is like this feels like it's something that will kind of last a longer time. Yeah, for me because I've just kind of. I've taken it on a bit of a journey with me, this sound, these songs. Um, more so yeah, that's kind of what's made the uh, list. Yeah. Uh, more personal and uh, evocative of a certain time. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, it just really kind of stuck with me. And, and also I do genuinely think it's, uh, you know, just a cool, chill album to listen to. I mean, the front cover of, um, it's like a guy and a girl, like in bed, basically, you know, so you can't really see him properly. Um it, it has that kind of feeling to it. It's like, it's very chilled. It feels like something that, yeah, you'd put on after like a hot, passionate night with a young lady or something like that. Um, and I suppose that's what the cover's going for. I always thought the cover was really strange for this and um, it kind of put me off for a while. Cause oh, I, really? I bought a, <laughs> like a pr- promotional CD in a charity shop. Right. Um, and I never listened to it actually. So I've still got this on my list, but I always thought it looked like a kind of like evening standard uh, weekend supplement magazine cover. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. And and it's weird because I know exactly what you mean, but it's it's just for me, it's very fitting Yeah, <laughs> um, for, for what this is, but I can kind of see where you're going with that. But yeah, it's the way it's kind of like, it's a bit sexy, but not really. It's kind of like, safe still it's not like pornographic obviously or anything but it's kind of got this very like the fact they're in bed with like these white sheets or whatever i don't know it all feels like it feels like a bit beautiful do you know what i mean it's glossy isn't it yeah and it's and i quite quite liked that and the same way that i was kind of not to make another superman reference but like living in a magazine essentially doing this stuff that covers like a magazine and the kind of sounds that go with it (laughs) a bit like that as well so it does kind of fit in a weird way it's that Brian Ferry kind of thing maybe as well, where he, do you know what I mean? He um, would kind of emulate these like swish, swanky, high life living mm. kind of, um, you know, his, his whole look and then his album covers because it was all meant to be like sultry, suave, sexy music. Mm. But it was almost, it was quite self-aware. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know if this is like being self-aware in that way i don't really know that much about them or if it's um you know they're just totally in that mindset like yeah, it's, it's non ironic are they a band what are, are they? They? <laughs> what are you um it's i think it's just one guy um reveal yourself one reveal guy. yourself man uh yeah chill wave um i suppose it is called chill wave isn't it yeah and it's that funny because you were talking thing. about the image. Um, the cover for Within and Without uses an image that also appeared in the May 2011 issue of Cosmopolitan magazine. Hey. Accompanying an article titled, Is This the Most Satisfying Sex Position? Ha <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, apparently they got it without, with the, um, they went to the photographer and used it. Um, apparently it's just one guy, but I don't know his name or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't say. It should do, shouldn't it? But yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, and I think there's a few people that kind of dip in and out with it, like the vocals or whatever and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's, just a, it's a sub-pop thing. Oh, here we go. Ernest Weatherly Green Jr. 
He's 37 years old. There we go. Born October the 3rd, 1982, to be specific. Um, Bastard. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so that's washed out. Within and without. Um, well, I will definitely get round to listen to that. I, actually, I did try to listen to it a few weeks ago, but at work and, you know, probably put it on and then someone wandered over and was like... Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's quite good background yeah. music, to be honest, you know what I mean? It's kind of, you know, you don't have to sit there and be attentive to it or anything. Just let it kind of wash over you. Oh. Your innies and your outies. <laughs> <laughs> So what's your what's your number nine? I've gone with Beak, mm-hmm. um, and I've gone with their album, which it's very difficult to say the title of because it's just three kind of I don't know what the hell they are. Uh, these little arrow things on the keyboard. Basically, it's right. the third Beak album. Okay, um, so should we have a little listen? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> difficult to pick like a best beak album i really like their debut album but that was 2009 that would have probably been on my list if it was a year later um but yeah this one it came out uh 2018 and it's just really really satisfying like modern uh kind of kraut rock um with some elements of um prog and a little bit of the kind of like Kind of like trippy, trip-hop, Portishead sound. Because um, mm-hmm. obviously it's um, Jeff Downs from Portishead, his band. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you wouldn't necessarily know that. But yeah, there's a little bit of their sound in there. But mostly it's just like these guys, it feels like they're just like having the time of their life. Um, playing really like 70s-inspired, like long, jammy, droney, but also quite beautiful uh, music. Nice. Uh, yeah, we went, we saw them live, right? Supporting we did. someone. Who's support? OCs? That's the one. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I liked it. Um, I don't know if I loved it. I think you were kind of getting... I mean, it obviously, it was the first time... It's not obvious, but first time I'd heard any of these tracks. So I felt like, you know, you and others there might have got a lot more out of it. Um, but yeah, I quite liked it. There's a couple of songs where I was like, this is really good. Um, yeah, just beak it, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of their songs feel like they're they're leading up (coughs) leading up leading up the uh what do they call it motoric drum beat oh lots of vintage synths good 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 standard kraut rock stuff basically and then you're like 
What's the payoff to this? <laughs> well, it's one of the greatest bass lines of all time. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Uh, well, I guess going on to my number nine is Cloud Nothings Here and Nowhere Else. Um, was released in 2014 and for people that don't know um, I I think I've talked about Cloud Nothings a bit before but for me they're the most well one of the most grungiest like post Nirvana bands that still keep that uh, still do their own thing but still keep that um, energy and stuff if you Uh know what I mean and maybe not like on stage because to be honest they're like three like pretty ugly geeky guys (laughs) guys <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> um you know I know we talk about Nirvana but like Kurt was basically like Brad Pitt or whatever and they definitely like were jumping around the stage a lot these guys don't really do that but um he does have a really like great Kurt sounding voice okay. and what they do when you hear I mean like they're all really like the same as Nirvana was they're all really good at what they do and it all works differently but it comes together really nicely for this like to make this sound um and also like the stuff that he does like feels really simple but is actually fairly complicated um or is like various enough to kind of keep you interested and yeah some of their um uh releases have found are better than others like sometimes you feel like oh they've not really made much of an effort with this one um but here and nowhere else was the first of their albums that I got into. Um, apparently it's their fourth LP. It's their third studio album, but it was okay. the first one that I actually listened to. So that, that means it's been going for a while and they're super young as well. Um, and they, you know, they're releasing an album every like couple of years or whatever. Yeah. Cause they released, it looks like five albums in the decade. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So what's made this one stand out? Just the, just for one thing, it was the one that kind of introduced me to them mm. and to just going through, the tracks, I just think it's got much stronger tracks. It's one of those things where I'm like, you, you know, each out, each track of the album you're listening to and going, oh yeah, fucking hell, I love this one. Yeah. And then it finishes and then another one comes on. You're like, oh yeah, shit, I forgot about this one. It's great. And then by the time you've got to the end, you're like, oh yeah, that whole album is actually really good. Um, and especially like in a these days where it's like, I'm kind of just picking, not like everyone, I suppose, picking tracks that I like rather than just listening to an album, this is one of the rare occasions where I will listen to, I'll just put the album on instead of picking like, I want to listen to that Cloud Nothings track. I'll just be like, I want to listen to the, that album. Yeah. And I think it, you know, it says a lot um, when you could do that. And that's what I feel like with all these albums actually. Um, 
That's not what the NME felt. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> what did they say? I'm just looking at the scores on Wikipedia. They only gave it 5 out of 10. Yeah. Um, they are the dissenting voice, though, amongst the uh, masses. I mean, seriously, fuck NME. I was having this Instagram conversation with Suit Woman, funny enough, and they put up how the NME said, oh, there's one good thing that when they, um, with the living in a magazine promo, whatever, that the yeah. NME got sent, there's one thing that this is good for, and that's as like, I'm ammunition for the bin or something like that no. and it's like yeah that's fucking enemy like it was just run by a bunch of twats and it still is really um yeah i don't know it's just weird i always used to hate that i, I should really check them. out cloud nothings i don't know why you really haven't. like it you would yeah. like oh in all honesty it's not like it's it's pop grunge you know what i mean yeah. like and but not in a bad way where it's you know shitty songs like these are actually interesting cool sounding songs but um yeah it might not even be their best album really even of that decade maybe but i've you know i've listened to their other stuff but i always come back to this album for whatever that's worth um uh, and yeah. i'll start here yeah did you play one of these songs on uh our much lauded show i did in the shed? i did i think yeah, yeah i would have done <laughs> I think I did. Yeah. Yeah, I think, what was the one they did afterwards? I'm just looking. I think, yeah. No Life for me. um, Life Without Sound, yeah, was also good. And that was the one they did afterwards, yeah. Um, But I was like, yeah, it's not so great. And then, yeah, Last last Building Burning. Again, I liked it. Maybe I just need to give them more of a listen. Yeah. yeah, so Right So Clean was pretty good. That was on the last album. Um, yeah, but still, I'm just, I always come back to this this one, here and nowhere else. It's good. Sounds good. I'll put it on my list. Yeah, you should just check it out. Um, okay, Dan, what is your, well, we'll say it's number eight now, right? Number eight, indeed. One of my bands of the decade that I really kind of went a bit wild for. <laughs> King yeah. Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Mm. Um, let's have a listen of, of we do not we don't know which album <laughs> <laughs> all will be revealed <laughs> but first of all they released I mean everything they've done has been this uh, in the tens right so their whole career just it been that, that that one decade yeah they did an EP yeah. 15 albums. Fucking hell. 15. That's mad. Yeah, this is what I was saying at the top of the show um, with this band in particular. Um, <laughs> yeah, how, how much stuff has been released. Uh, uh, yeah, you, there's no wonder you can you'd be like, oh, I'm just going to pick one because otherwise it's a bit ridiculous. But I have picked just one because that was the law. Mm. Um, so I've gone with Gumboot Soup. Mm. And I reckon we should play The Great Chain of Being. Oh, lovely. Let's have a listen to that.
Chain of Being is one of the heaviest songs in the canon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really representative of the album as a whole. Uh, the reason I've gone with Gumboot Soup was so this was the last album that they released in 2017, which was the year that they had that run of five albums in one year. By me. Um, and basically, Gumboot Soup, it was, it's kind of like a best of that year in a way. Right. Um, it's like you can you can hear on certain songs that oh this was probably from that project and this was from that project, but it's not like they just shoved together all the offcuts. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they picked a prime cut, yeah, from each of those albums or a couple, you know, yeah. Um, so it really is like if you want to get a sense of where what they were doing in that year, you can listen to like the best of everything all on one album. Oh. What what more can you ask for? Exactly. <laughs> uh, and it's great because it explores, you know, like some of their kind of lighter, acoustic-y, like 70s jazz um, vibe and some of the folk stuff. Um, like I said, it's like, it's like crushing, heavy, great chain of being. Um, they let some of the other members of the band write a few songs on this one. Right. Um and everything's just done with like such a high level of detail, I think, both in terms of like like the playing is fantastic. They're really great uh, musicians, but the production is really nice as well. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, you know, when a band goes through so many changes like this and puts on so many hats, um, you know, and it started to become a little bit gimmicky. Yeah. Every album, it's like, what, what are they going to do this time? They're going to do you know, speed metal, are they going to do some disco? (laughs) Um, But it doesn't feel tokenistic. It feels like they really love these genres and understand them and respect them. Yeah. Um, So their writing within them extremely well. Hmm. Nice. But yeah, I mean, they just, their output, everything they've done in 10 years is really amazing. And, you know, and they've they've built a huge following. They've got their own record label, um, and this huge body of work now. Um, but yeah, I mean, like if if you were starting out with them tomorrow, I'd go with Gumboot Soup. Yeah, I don't know what I've listened to of them because Rich recommended our friend, mutual friend Rich um, Keeble, Richard Keeble, um, <laughs> recommended a few. <laughs> recommended them to me as well around the same time that you did. Um, and I think he made me some kind of playlist or something. Okay. Um, so, uh, and it was, I think other stuff was kind of mixed in hot snakes and all this stuff. Um, that's no good. Uh, that's <laughs> no good. You need a King Giz. <laughs> King Giz all the way. Exclusive playlist. Yeah. So I need to, um, <laughs> yeah, I kind of touched upon it. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I like this, but I, I didn't again, just one of those things where you're just like, I haven't got time to listen to something new unless I, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, the nice I'll thing about check like out. Gumboot Soup, you know, it'll give you the measure of them, but it's like, all the songs are really like super accessible as well. It's not right. something that takes a long time to get into. Now I'm looking, I'm like, maybe there are albums that are better as like a, you know, one consistent sound or one consistent kind of statement, but I don't know, Gumboot Soup's really fun and it's just, yeah, yeah goes down smooth. Ooh, lovely. Like um, a lovely taglet, not taglatelli, a lovely mulligatawny. <laughs> yeah. Mm, delicious. Um, 
<laughs> I guess uh, now we'll go to my number eight, <clears throat> which was, again, a tough choice. Well, I'll tell you this first. So it was Everything, Everything, Man Alive in 2010. Let's have a listen to some of that. got the guy who sings really high <laughs> <laughs> what, the guy from sparks <laughs> no <laughs> um it was so this is an uh right start again at uh, this album i only remembered when well, i remembered it as in but i only realized it was released within that decade this decade the last decade because of going on to other sites and thinking just googling you know what was some what are their top 100s or whatever like is there something i've missed basically yeah. that was released that i was like oh i didn't realize because loads and loads of stuff that i absolutely loved was released in 2009 okay <clears throat> and it was really annoying <laughs> and then um i remember um that yeah and i saw someone who put this on um fairly high and none of the other lists did i think maybe it's consequences of sound i can't remember Um, And I was like, fuck, I loved this album. The reason why is I saw them perform at Reading Festival um, on the BBC Introducing stage, which if people, I don't know if it's still like this anymore, but as soon as you walk in, it's the first stage you see. And literally I was watching them and there was about six other people standing around me just watching it. Do you remember the BBC Introducing stage at Reading? Yeah. It's just so like, I don't know what it is now. But yeah, it was just like a little, you know, like 10 foot by 10 foot thing as soon as you um, walked in. And mm. uh, there's a lot of them as well. And I remember thinking, God, they've, got, they've totally like been squeezed onto this tiny stage. Um, and yeah, I was I was watching it and I was like, one of the rare times I was like, I'm going to watch the whole thing. I don't know who they are. And there's everything, everything. And um, then after that, um, I tried to get some of their singles that they'd released and then a friend of mine worked at Sony, I think it was. Um, and he was like, oh, do you want to go see um, uh, Everything, Everything and Someone Else? And they had like one hit song. They were very 80s. Um, they were a bit like Pet Shop Boys. And I can't for the life of me remember their name. And their album was okay, but um, it was them and Everything, Everything and Everything, the support act. And I went along, went to all these weird gigs with him. And... Um, yeah, and I saw them again. I was like, man, so much better now. Like, they feel like so much, like, in front of a proper audience. Okay. And I saw them a few times since. Oh, God, sorry, I'm really going on phages. Basically, I saw them grow as a, as a band. And then the combination of which was this album, which finally came out, which had obviously a lot of the songs that I'd already been privy to leading up to it. 
Um, and a lot, but what was weird is that the songs that I hadn't heard were probably my favorite, um, uh, favorite songs on the album, if that makes sense. Couldn't um, be better. So yeah, there was one, like one song, for instance, Come Alive, Diana. Um, and I don't think I'd heard of, um, before or whatever until this album was released. And I was like, man, this is really great. And the thing was, he has a very unique way of singing, but the songs are like super catchy. And it was kind of as like that kind of, what was it? Um, New Rave or whatever, the kind of klaxons thing. Oh yeah. This was kind of at the end, like it had already reached its crescendo years before this, but this was like coming out of that. This is becoming something else. And this is kind of where you start to get a bit of, you know, Foles already kind of doing stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, metronomy, um, and things like that. They were starting to come out of that a little bit and, and, uh, everything, everything was part of that. And they just kind of exploded. And then basically they, people just got bored, same as I did, of the guy's voice and that sound. And it was like, yeah, okay. So when they released their next album after this, I can't remember what it's called now, but I remember thinking, all right, yes, yeah, same. There's nothing wrong with it. It wasn't like bad songs, but I was like, yeah, I've mm. heard this though. And I've heard, oh. it, and I've heard it better. It's like, Cause this, so this is it really. This is kind of, but then like, what more do you expect? It's kind of, it's, it turns it into a bit of a gimmick, unfortunately. But at the time, this album was great and I listened to it a lot. And when I was listening back to it, listening um, recently, I was like, man, these yeah. songs are really good. I really enjoy them. Again, it's a, it takes a very, it's, it's not going to be for everyone. I think his singing will put off a lot of people and it was very much of that time some of the songs mm-hmm. um but it was like rotated on my playlist for i would say a good like two years or something probably and that's mm-hmm. why when i saw it i was like man how could i even how did i forget this album but of course it's because it was a whole decade ago wasn't it yeah um, august 2010 yeah so of course i'm gonna forget it but um yeah at that time i was like this is like the album of the year kind of thing like nothing's gonna touch this because it was like i'd waited for it for so long you know, it'd been built up for me personally for, for ages. Finally gets yeah. released. Like they've re-recorded all the songs that they'd done before. You know, they've done it better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd say, um, yeah, check it out uh, because it's it's quite poppy. So, you know, it's very accessible um, if you can get on with his voice, which I did and I actually really liked. Um, yeah, and it's something a bit different. Man, last time I had that experience was um, Idlewild's first album. Oh, right, yeah. You know, that, like, anticipation mm. of, like, you're seeing the band performing live and, you're, like, a few singles are coming out. Yeah. And you're waiting for the album and then you get it and then you're like, wow, there are songs on here that I like even more than the ones that I already knew I loved. Yeah. Well, what was the great thing about Idlewild is that, well, for me personally, as much as I love, like, was it Hope It's Important? Yeah. It was 100 Broken Windows that I was like, you know, that it was like their... Um, in Utah, I don't want to say that because it's not probably not the best comparison, but it's in that was like, wow, I thought Hope is Important was better. Yeah. And they went on to make something even even better than that, like an epic yeah. rock record. Um, Whereas Everything Everything didn't do that. Made, yeah, they made an album that you didn't like. Right? <coughs> it was um, fine, but the same way Idlewild, kind of Idlewild kind of did the same, but they turned their sound and they kind of made it more expensive kind of less punky but more experimental and did and i feel like kind of gave it like a much bigger thing to it and every song felt like it had its own identity they made um, it crunchier as well yeah you know, um 
I realised a few years ago that the producer for that album was uh, Bob Weston. What's he done? He is, he, he's like Albini's side man. He's in right. Shellac. Okay. And I think, I think he worked on In Utero. Right. Oh, right. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So maybe <laughs> it was a good comparison um, in the end. So um, anyway, a little, a little uh, diversion there. Yeah, sorry. A little yeah. tidbit. Pitchfork Media, Sam, mm-hmm. to be provocative. Mm-hmm. What do you think they gave um, Man Alive out of 10? I believe it did really well. Um, but yeah, Metacritic, say mm. a rating of 72 out of 100. Yeah, um, quite positive. I'm going to say Pitchfork gave it a 4 then. Yeah, 3.8. Right, oh man, that's good for me. Um, <laughs> what do they say? Why do they not like it? Oh, I haven't got that far. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I can kind of guess. It's it's honestly, it's one of those albums where I'm like, if someone said, I hate it, I'd be like, yeah, I can, I can understand that. <laughs> like, it's just got a weird sound to it. But um, for some reason, I just really liked it. I still like it. Because I don't... That's sad. I don't think anyone's like done... It's just its own thing. Do you know what I mean? Like as much as I got bored of that sound quite quickly, it's still their own sound. Like, there wasn't anyone else uh, kind of doing that, maybe a little bit. They have said that in their concluding statement. Um, it's a complete mess, but it's certainly their mess. Yeah, I think that's right. It's, it's, uh, I know why they say it's a mess, because it's like, as I said, it's a, there's a lot of stuff, like, thrown at it, and it kind of... But that's what I like about it. You know what I'm like? I like kind of stuff that's so... Um, you know, as much as I like, you know, a melody and all this stuff, stuff that's like, oh, I didn't expect that. Yeah. Or like, what the hell is this? This is weird. Um, I like that. And that interests me. So, yeah. and that's a, that's a bit like that, if that makes sense. It kind of goes more up that street. Um, this but, band yeah. has completely passed me by though. They would have done. I mean, they're very like early noughties. You I've still never heard of them. Yeah, you still see them pop up on... You know, festival lineups. I don't know if they're releasing stuff anymore, but yeah, again, it's, it's it was very much of that time, like 2010, 2000, 2010 to 2012 was there, like it. They were like doing the festival circuits. You know, they had a bit of a following. People like me, they were, you know, there's good life as well, pretty good life. Um, yeah, but still, it just kind of fizzled out, like all these things usually do. Well, I like the sound of it, and I'm going to go away and give Qwerty Finger a listen. Yeah, Qwerty Finger's good. As, again, it's an album where, like, they've got some quite slow tracks. They've got tracks that build and have, like, these big kind of crescendo endings. And, yeah, they have, like, very accessible, easy, poppy kind of tracks. Um, there's, uh, what is it, Photoshop Handsome, I believe, is has a... Um, it's got a quite cool music video where it, it's all, like... I think it's all, like, 8-bit or something like that. It's all a bit, like, pixel and weird. Um Photoshop Hanson. Han- handsome, as in to um, uh, beautiful male. <laughs> oh, right. Like um, Hanson. No, not not like Charlie Hanson. <laughs> Charlie Manson's cousin. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, sorry. We kind of went off on one. This is going to be a long one, isn't it? Do you remember we were working it out time-wise? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, let's not go too deep and just totally gone off on one. Um, nah, this is good. Let's just roll with it. Let's go with it. Okay. Uh, is, is it Can your number seven it? now? Number seven. What is number it? Number seven, rolling in. I see a bad moon rising. Mm. 
Um, but I also see a moon-shaped pool mm. by Radiohead. Oh. That's a lovely uh, album from 2016. Um, introduced with the lead-off single, Burn the Witch. This is uh, one of the few albums that I actually know fairly well. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it on your list? Uh, it didn't make my list. And to be honest, yeah. I forgot <laughs> about it. <laughs> I didn't really... Um, it was one of those albums that was, when you said it, I'm like, oh yeah, that was really good, wasn't it? And I've not <laughs> I've not put it on. Um, uh, what yeah. a state of affairs where Radiohead gets uh, overlooked. I know, it really forgotten. is. Um, um, yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, and I had to think about Radiohead and I had to think about Tom York. And um, Atoms for Peace as well. Do you remember yep. that side band he had? I do, yeah. Um, and I kind of liked, I liked all of it. I liked everything that he had a, a hand in. Mm. Um, I didn't like the King of Limbs that much. That was one of my least favourite. Because mm-hmm. um, that, that was 2011. Um, and this album, it was just like such a kind of return to, well, form makes it sound like the King of Limbs was just like terrible. It's not, you know, they intentionally tried something different and yeah. it wasn't to a lot of people's tastes. Yeah. Um, but this was like, you know, this is like a classic Radiohead kind of cosy sound, really. A, um, kind, of, kind of fan-pleasing sound, I think. Um, and it's just really satisfying. It's 11 really good songs. Um, get you know, lots of the sort of like emotional and textural tones and changes throughout the album that you'd expect from Radiohead um you know nothing too outlandish and just really really satisfying beautiful album yeah it's um he did something recently didn't he which uh I can't remember what it was for it was a marketing campaign where it was something like you know do you want to live your dreams or something like that and it was just like a phone number Oh yeah, this is quite recently. It might have been like Anima. A, a, yeah, that's it. This is yeah. Anima. Yeah, that's that's really good. Um, but I didn't um, listen to it, but um, I just enjoyed that whole marketing campaign. <laughs> I thought it was great. Um, yeah, it was good. <laughs> have you have you seen the? Because it's on Netflix, isn't it? Oh, it, it's no, a I haven't watched it. A, it's directed like twenty minute short film. Yeah, it's directed by someone famous, like, uh, like Fincher or something. But I don't think it's as big as that. Um, yeah. Oh, I have to check it out. Yeah, I didn't yeah, watch it. Is it good? Yeah, it's really good. I thought I I really liked it. Um, yeah, soundtrack's good. Coming off the back of the Suspiria soundtrack as well, which I really liked. Mm. Got a copy. Got myself a vinyl copy of that. Um, but I also I did, I really liked the Atoms for Peace stuff. I know a lot of people were a bit 
Yeah. And he didn't like it that much. I thought that was great. And so there's lots of stuff. I, I mean, I could have put another, um, you know, Tom York album on here, but um, anyway, this sort of squeezed everything else out for me. Yeah. I was. I need to go back then and listen to it um, again because I, I haven't listened to it well really since it came out. I suppose. When, so when was it out? Uh, Twenty sixteen. Yeah, it's a fair bit. Yeah, I need to go back and check it. Do um, you like the? Did you see the Burn the Witch video when that came out? Yeah, was it? Um, uh, it was like an Anna. Was it animated? Yeah, it's a um, sort of like spoof of the old um, kids TV show yeah green from the 70s oh right yeah but they they essentially you know there's like the i don't know windy miller or whatever he's called um but they turn out to be basically it's the plot from um the wicker man oh really so it's quite subversive yeah no i don't think i've watched the whole thing then this guy turns up and it's all like oh it's all nice twee 1970s kids thing um and at the end yeah they like force him into this like, structure and <laughs> <laughs> oh that's brilliant I'm just I'm just perusing through it now it's literally Wicker Man <laughs> <Fucking> <laughs> that's really good uh, no I haven't seen that um, yeah that's brilliant it was quite nice that that, that song you know, a pretty accessible mm. song and humorous video kind of like signposted just a slightly different um, yeah radio tone to this album right that you're going to get something that's going to be quite commercial. Mm. Yeah. Cool. So, Good choice. Good choice. Nice album. What's next from you? Moi. Uh, number seven on my list is The Twilight Sad. No one wants to be here and no one wants to go home. Story of my life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, released in 2014. Uh, so let's listen to a little bit of that. Scottish band I did um, so last January was the song that I played on Three Hits and a Shit a little while ago uh, that we did and this yep. is from the album again they've released other albums which are good um, during the last decade but same thing that goes for Cloud Nothings really this um, I randomly I found on an old Spotify list when I was kind of searching for stuff I was listening to back in the early decade I found like a couple of other Twilight Sad songs on the Spotify list, mm. but didn't, but it obviously hadn't clocked with me like properly, if you know what I mean. Um, okay. It was only really with this album um, that they got on my radar and specifically with um, last January. And then when I listened to the rest, mainly the first half of the album, I was like, this is <clears throat> amazing. Like it's really melodramatic and epic and it's funny because recently i saw a um 
because I wanted to go see um, Robert Smith did a thing in London, um, as in of the Cure, and mm-hmm. uh, and Twilight Sad were playing, Interpol were playing, they were playing, and I wanted to go, but it was on my daughter's birthday, so I couldn't. Um, was it like meltdown? <clears throat> it might have been meltdown. Yeah. And um, I was really excited about going because I was just like, man, like he's chosen my fucking perfect lineup. It's ridiculous. But I couldn't go, and. I was listening to an interview with him uh, recently, Robert Smith, and he was basically saying the best band that are around at the moment, the most exciting band, are the Twilight Sad. And I was thinking, well, oh, it's kind of interesting he says that. But now I've listened to them with him in my head, I'm like, it's because now I think about it, they do sound a, quite a lot like dark Cure songs. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Mm-hmm. And well, not even the dark ones, like some of the lighter ones as well. But... um I was like, fuck, yeah, they do sound quite curie, actually. And I'd never really thought about that until Robert Smith was like, you know, kind of raising a flag for them. Um, And yeah, so anyway, with this album in particular, um, it's got some really dark, strong tracks. He's he's got a great voice and it's, yeah, it's full of like, yeah, full of drama and emotion. And it's all about, you know, just basically being all this melancholic, like sadness and like, you know, I can't be who you want me to be and like unrequited love and depression and, you know, but try, but again, like trying to find these little like elements of hope still within that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, the background of this are these big like sweeping guitars and um, quite, you know, that's what I liked about last January is it's weird use of like synths and guitars, which make give it quite a ghostly kind of sound. And that kind of runs throughout the whole album. Um, so it's quite a unique listening experience. Um, and there are still, there's a couple of tracks, which I'm a bit like, Hey, like, you know, have to get through these, but the strength of the, of like 80% of the tracks, like holds the rest of it up. Um, if that makes sense. So again, it's a bit of a um, depressing uh, album, but um, yeah, I really, every time, it's one of those albums where I'm just like, what should I, it's like, and, you know, I'm driving or whatever, walking around, it's like, what should I listen to? I'll tell you what, I can listen to fucking Twilight Sad and I'll stick the album on um, and it, I get excited about listening to it because I feel like I'm re, like I'm listening to it almost for the first time again, every time I listen to it and I don't understand how that works, but it just does. It's right in your wheelhouse, this kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, um, it is. The cracking album cover as well. The artwork's really cool. Yeah, it's cool. Um, so you prefer this to It Won't Be Like This All The Time? Yeah, um, probably, yeah. Again, it's... Because there's just the rest of their discography um, is still strong. and But to me, I am just keep comparing it to this album. yeah. And this album kind of always wins out. So that's not to do a disservice to anything else, but I'm just like, I like the tracks on here more. Um, and when Fair I'm listening enough. to it, I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. And there's still a couple, um, I can't remember offhand, still a couple, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll listen to those, fine. But then I'm still in my head making the comparison to the tracks that are on this album. And I'm just like, well, I could listen to that album. Or I could just listen to the Twilight Set album I really like. And yeah. which is the same kind of sound, but it's just better. So I'll just do that. Um yeah. Uh yeah, I'm interested in what they say here. Like post punk revival and indie rock. Oh, okay. I also like the fact the guy like sings with a Scottish ac- Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> so like 
and this is totally stupid, but just like singing along with it is actually quite fun. Okay. Because <laughs> you're like rolling your R's and it's all like, you know, it just sounds a bit different than like an American nasal, snivelly, drivelly tone. It's like this deep Scottish kind of, um, you know, editor's style singing, like almost a bit Ian Curtis-ish, but like, you know, a bit more professional, let's say, a bit more shine to it. Um, This is your go-to for like post-punk driving karaoke party. (laughs) Yeah, if I found this on a karaoke machine, I'd be like, hell yeah, I'm playing this. Um, Yeah, but I do do recommend it um, if you're into that kind of thing. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, shall I hammer you with number six? Please do. Which is Black Star by David Bowie. Interesting. What track do you recommend playing? Um... Black Star by David <laughs> Bowie.
So this is just um, amazing album. The to, you know to have released an album like this at this point in David Bowie's career, even before you get onto the discussion about um, you know the fact that he recorded this knowing that he had a terminal illness. Um, so in that short period of time where this had basically been reviewed and released um, before he died, mm. which I'm trying to remember, it was such a short time frame, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like super short. It was literally it was like, like a case of, of like, yeah. Yeah, I think it was literally, yeah, like a, within a week or something. It's weird. It was, I think it was days. It was it was scary. Um it was shocking, wasn't it? it was, okay, I'm just reading Wikipedia. Two days after its release, right? So, but in that short period of time, um, the discussion focused, you know, on the on the on the music here, and it's really remarkable because he had this like comeback album mm. um, the next day. I think I can't remember when that was. About 2014, maybe. Right. Which is a very safe album. Um, which is fair enough, and it's you know good, good, satisfying album. Um, and then he's done something completely different here, introducing this kind of like it's jazz, and you know the thing is he worked with um, uh, Donny McCaslin, and basically like got him saxophonist and his band to be his band for this album. Okay, um, but it's kind of it's really modern. And introduces sort of like it's quite dark sound. This um, kind of like a fusion kind of jazz sound to mm-hmm. it, um, with his kind of you know quite cryptic lyrics. Um, which then, obviously, yeah, a couple of days later, everyone realised this is all about his impending death. Yeah, and reflecting on concepts of mortality and looking back at his life and his achievements, mm. what will his legacy be? And so it's incredibly emotionally affecting um, and a huge, you know, heavyweight piece of work. Mm. Yeah, I felt bad because I didn't like it. <laughs> Outrageous. <laughs> I remember I listened to, like, pretty much a lot of people must have done, um, as you know, as soon as he died. And... I remember thinking, yeah, it's not for me. And I haven't gone back to it after that first listen. It wasn't even really a proper listen. I didn't really do it the service it probably demanded <laughs> for like the respect of David Bowie. I've got a bit of a David Bowie story, actually, a real one, not a fake one that like we did on the <laughs> on the comedy show thing, um, which is kind of going off on a tangent. But um, for, I'm, I'm name dropping here, but uh, I was, I like to think I'm still friends with, but I was closer friends with, let's say, um, Matt Berry, the actor. Oh, yeah. Because um, I worked on IT Crowd, and that was the series that he, uh, it was series two, then that's the series that he was in. <clears throat> he was introduced as a character, and that's how I got to know him. And he's been doing tons of stuff now. He's in the What We Do in the Shadows um, TV series for our American viewers. Um, he did Toast of London, but he's done loads of stuff. Anyway. He was in Moon, if you remember, the, that was with Sam uh, Rockwell. That was directed by Duncan Jones, who was obviously David Bowie's son. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, Matt plays when, I don't know if, if anyone who remembers the film, um, there are scenes where uh, Sam Rockwell's character is talking to Earth or whatever, and in it, um, like on the video screen, that's Matt Berry, 
And actually, there's another guy in it who's Benny Wong, who I played poker with once, who went on to do, um, who's in all the Marvel movies now, funnily enough. Um, and yeah, it's another name job. <clears throat> but <clears throat> I was speaking to Matt um, after that film and uh, he was saying how, I think he was at the rap party for the film and Duncan came up and he was like, oh, I've got um, someone on the phone for you. And he was like, hello. And he was like, hello, Matt, this is David Bowie. Or <laughs> <laughs> however he, he speaks. Was this when he was... What, um, Jimmy... In decline. Not Jimmy Quite Hill. Ill. <laughs> Who I mean? Not Jimmy Hill. Jimmy, um, he was the one that got done for the, being a pedo. Jim will fix it. <laughs> take, take your pick. <laughs> Who was the Jim will fix it guy? Jimmy Savile. I've made him sound a bit like Jimmy Savile. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Rather than David Bowie, who's more up here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, apparently he was like, oh, yeah, hey, Matt. And apparently David and Matt was like, because he's massively into his music and all this stuff as well. He was like, oh, fuck, wow, David Bowie, whatever. And he was, and basically David Bowie was banging on the phone telling Matt how much a fan he was of his work. And nice. apparently um, started doing an impression of him to him. <laughs> he started doing an impression of Matt Berry to Matt Berry. And Matt was like, it was the weirdest experience <laughs> of, wow. of my life. Um, wow. That's cool. Yeah, that's quite funny. And I just like, <clears throat> as much as all the people talk about, you know, the God that's David Bowie. Um, I like that idea that, you know, he does stuff like that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's still like a human yeah. that watches these kind of things. Um, well, he did that spot on extras, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. It was really good. But even that was like a little bit like, I hated extras, I'm going to be honest. I, can, I shouldn't say this so much um, in terms of, because uh, I know some of the people involved or whatever, but like extras was just felt like to me, Ricky Gervais going, I've got famous mates now. <laughs> Like, oh, and he does this whole thing yeah. where he keeps trying to be his whole shtick from then and still today, even at the Golden Globes. It's like, I'm just an everyman who's who's now rubbing shoulders with all the celebs, but I'm, you know, I'm still, I'm like you, aren't I? But I've made it to this like upper echelon of like yeah. celebrities. And I hate that. I hate that so much. And it's just so lame. And I also find it particularly funny these days either. Never, well, uh, it, it worked in extras, <clears throat> I think, but I can see that... I didn't like it. You know, now it's become laboured. Yeah, but no, but even at the time I was watching it going, okay, you get it, you can get David Bowie in your episode. Little fat man, or whatever, and it's like, yeah, okay, this feels like it's an old 70s sketch. <laughs> like, it doesn't feel, like, fresh, and it's because you've basically gone, what can I do with David Bowie? Do you know what I mean? You haven't been like, yeah. I've written a, a sitcom. How can I... And then I'm going to get famous people to play the characters. It's like, right, I can get Samuel Jackson. So now I've got to write a scene around Samuel Jackson and maybe do something that's a bit, you know, playing on the fact that, oh, look, because he's like black and he gets mistaken for Lawrence Fishburne and all this stuff. I'm, I'd make a joke of that. And it's a bit like, right. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, let him have his fun. Fine. Yeah, I can that, see where you're coming up. And that's what extras felt like to me. But people be like, no, but it's about the relationship with like, him and that woman and like a fame and all this stuff. It's like, it's not, it's not, it's a vehicle for him to um, show off his mates and, you know, kind of be like, here, I'm bringing all my Hollywood A-listers back to America, uh, back to England for you little people. (laughs) (laughs) And of course he, he appears on Blackstar. He's the um, subject of the song 
Lazarus. Are you joking? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) A six-minute epic about how uh, Ricky Gervais killed his career and then re-rose from the dead. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't didn't kill it. It just dwindled out because it was just, you know, stuff that he's been doing for the past, what, 15, 20 years now probably or something. Um, Sorry. Jesus, went off on one. Um, um, so Black, yes, Star, Black Star, David Barry. This is, I know this, I say this all the time, but mm-hmm. this is one where it's worth picking up uh, an LP if you can, if you can play a vinyl copy. Um, because, well, it'll force you to actually sit down and listen to it properly and engage with the experience of this album. Um, but you know, there's like a big deal around the packaging of this thing. Mm. Do you remember all that? Well, it's just a Black Star, isn't it? <laughs> Essentially, yeah. <laughs> It's, um, um, well, on first appearances, so it's die cut, you know. So it's black, okay, a black sleeve, and then a star has been cut out of the front. Right, that's So cool. you can see the vinyl inside, and the vinyl's in a transparent perspex inner sleeve. Right. That's quite funky, isn't it? Yeah, so you take it out, and, you know, it's black, and then inside it's black. And then people realised over time, and it took a while for this to be come out, but that it's white. people noticed if they left it in the sun... Oh, here we go, yeah. Um, it melts. A pattern was emerging. No, uh-huh. there was some sort of, like, solar-sensitive ink. Weird. Um, and people continue to have theories and think they keep finding more and more secret messages and things. And, and in the end, the artist came out and said, yeah, he'd worked with David Bowie to really think about this and um people think yeah there's there's references further references to like you know his life and um like the whole thing <coughs> the music the lyrics and the packaging was meant to be this you know, final statement and a sort of letter love letter to his fans as well it's quite nice because i suppose it's the idea if you think i've only got so long left and you've got yeah. something like that that means that there'll be like something you know Almost like his, how do I put this? As you said, like a bit of a love letter, but the fact that it's like something's fading in um, yeah. over time, it's like he's left you a little present. It's like more yeah. than the album. It's something, basically what I'm saying is that he, he will, he's doing that um, knowing that when he dies, there will, there will still be something there, if that makes sense, that's new. Yeah, um, it keeps giving and it keeps yeah. evolving. That's nice. That's cool if that's um, actually what it was meant to be. Yeah, and he got to write his own epitaph, essentially. Yeah. Which is such shame. a shame. Who can say that about themselves? Literally one of the anyway, coolest fucking dudes ever. All the young dudes. I liked his album Lau. It's good. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, that's Black Star. Black Star. Um, and, okay, let's talk about my number six which is Wild Beasts Smother. Um, yeah, we kind some of, other, some other, the mother. 
so we, we kind of, a smother fucker. So we kind of talked about this um, a little while ago. I can't remember what we were talking about it on, but um, how... Three Hits and a Shit. Three Hits and a Shit, that was it. And the album Two Dancers, um, I think it's called, I can't remember if that's right now or not, um, it was 2009 again. And this was 2011. And I went to see them on this tour as well. Um, and for me, it wasn't as as grand as their previous album, but I would say about half the album is absolutely amazing. Um, <laughs> and it, uh, whereas the album before, all of it was amazing. I would say about half of this is amazing. And there's some tracks which like, you know, when you listen to a song and you're like, oh, this isn't as good as I remember it. Then all of a sudden it's got like an ending or like a middle bit where you're just like, oh yeah, fuck, this is why I love it so much. Cause it's just like, it's been building up to like something else, if that makes sense. And you realize mm-hmm. that's the bit that you like and you kind of, and the rest of it is there to serve this change or whatever. Um, some of the tracks feel a bit like that. Um, and funny enough, the main guy, well, I say the main guy, but it's about this kind of two lead people in this, the higher voiced guy, um, has just released a new album, solo album, um, in the wake of wild beasts now not being a band anymore. And um, it's pretty good. It's actually all right. I might play it on the three hits and a shit. Um, yeah. uh, it's very personal. You know, it's very, It's basically kind of pretty much him and a piano. Um, but it's, you know, it suits his voice very well. It's not got... Wild Beast is still, like, quite rocky. And it's got those kind of Sigur Ross sounding, like, sweeping guitars, you know, that we talked about the other day. Um and that's like the Wild Beast side. This is very much more, his solo stuff is very much more stripped down. Daniel something his name is. Um, but yeah, Smother, um, this is where they, you could tell they're kind of starting to think about going more synthy, not that they hadn't done it at all before. Um, but this was kind of, for me, this is like the limit. So this was their last, you know, really good album, I reckon. The other ones after it were okay. But um yeah. I just, uh, I thought it was great. And um, yeah, released 2011. Um, yeah. <clears throat> you highlighted this as one of your faves, didn't you, even on that episode we did? Yeah. Was this the album then that you, was this, you know, the song you played, was this from this album? No, that was from the album before. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a couple of songs here, which my God, I'm just like, so, might be some of the best songs I've ever heard. Like, um, <laughs> like opening, like Lion Share kind of gives you a bit of a sense but it's kind of a bit you know epic and a bit dramatic and they kind of play with that a little bit be a bit self-aware of it but songs like loop the loop and reach a bit further every time I hear it I'm just like oh my god I love Wild Beast so much like why were they not like the biggest band in the UK or something like I just don't get it like what would what what would other people listening to that wasn't this (laughs) for god's sake um but again, it's I kind of understand some people don't like some of the, you know, the voices, some the music. I guess is a little bit. I mean, it might be a bit too wishy washy for some people. I don't know. Um, but yeah, really great, strong album, and I highly recommend it. Yeah, that's it. Hayden Thorpe is the uh, guy who's just released his album. I don't, I can't remember what it's called or anything. But um, yeah, if you liked Wild Beasts, then go and check it out. Just Google it. I can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> I realised I keep getting confused. I keep conflating Wild Beasts and Cloud Nothing. Right. And thinking about this band Wild Nothing. 
<laughs> yeah, I think every not, time you've it. mentioned Cloud Nothings to me and Wild Beasts, I've thought of Wild Nothing. Yeah, it's which not, is a very not different that. kettle of fish. <laughs> yeah. No, no, sir. No, this is more up the Twilight Sad zone. Kind of in that we're kind of going in that area with this album and and Wild Beasts. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would recommend checking it out. So as this is an extra long episode, I've split this into two. So that's it for now. But come back next time to hear our countdown from number five to number one. See ya. Culture. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.